Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Today we are continuing our three-part series called At the Movies, where we're going through different movies each week and, and pulling out different spiritual truths from some of the movies. Now, I know last week we didn't go through one movie. We went through three movies, a clip from each one of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so we've been targeting specifically in this At The Movie series, we've been targeting movies that deal with friendship and, and community. And so last week we talked about encouraging one another. We're encouraging you to get involved in small groups. <laughs> We're encouraging you to get plugged into smaller groups where you can connect deepen your relationships with one another. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says, encourage each other daily. This is not a suggestion. This is not just a mere idea. This is a command from the Bible. We are meant to encourage people daily. Why? Because we get discouraged daily. Anybody else get discouraged daily? We need to be encouraged and and encouraging one another. I hope you were able to get a, a moment this past week to encourage some people around you. And so last week we looked at Samwise Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm sorry if you missed it. I, I heard about it from some people when they came in that they missed it. Very uh, diehard Lord of the Rings fans. Um, and, and we looked at Samwise. We also looked at the story of David and Jonathan. If you don't know, Jonathan was the son of Saul. The king was trying to kill David. Jonathan came alongside David and strengthened himself, not in, in David, He didn't say, David, you got this. You're the best. You can do it. He strengthened himself in the Lord. We need to remember to remind ourselves of what God is doing because seasons are difficult. Life's not always going to be easy. But what Jonathan did was he reminded him of the promises of God. He reminded him, hey, you've been anointed before. God has a plan for you. Don't give up hope yet. So we talked about encouragement. And today, today we're actually going to look at the other side of community. We're going to look at the challenging side. What happens in community when we disagree? What happens when there's conflict? How do we move past conflict? How do we reconcile? How do we work work through an offense? And as I was thinking about this, I, I thought, well, if we're talking about an offense, we can also talk about offense. I thought the best movie that we could talk about would be the Remember the Titans movie uh, from 2000. Anybody who has seen the movie Remember the Titans? Okay, a lot of hands, not enough, but a lot of hands have gone up, and that's good. We're going to look at Remember the Titans. We're also going to look at what the Bible says when Paul was encouraging people to overcome an offense. The title for today's message is Friend or Friction. Is there a friend or is there friction? And we know you can have a friend and have friction with that friend. But how do we get past an offense? And we're looking at this, the story from Remember the Titans. Uh, that movie came out in 2000. It's one of my favorite movies for a couple different reasons. Uh, first of all, I love football. I still love football after last night, and that was a very challenging game. Anybody lose their breath or, or start sweating a lot at about 10.45 last night, or was it just me? Uh, that was exhausting, and I, w- I did nothing but sit there, but it was exhausting. And uh, one of my favorite movies because of football. I also love Denzel Washington, great fan of his work that he does in that movie. 
and I'm a fan of, of watching movies. It was one of the few movies growing up that we had to watch on VHS. That's right, I said VHS. As in you play on a VCR, not a DVD or a Blu-ray. Okay, a VHS tape. And there was a rule in the Mason household that you were not allowed to have the TV on during the week. You could only have it on Friday after school is done and on the weekend, unless two different exceptions. One, there's live sports. If there's Monday Night Football, I was allowed to watch, praise God. And number two, if we were exercising after school in the basement on the treadmill doing something like that, we could then have the TV on. So there were a lot of times that I was downstairs in the basement exercising, if you know what I mean, trying to watch a movie. And so one of the few movies that we had was Remember the Titans. And there was a time, I'm not quite there yet, but there was a time back in the day when I could quote just about every single line of this movie. In fact, I think I did on a trip with a youth group years ago, we put that movie in and I'm just in the back going, water is for cowards, water makes you weak. I'm like quoting every single line of the movie. The kids are all like, can you stop? Can you just be quiet? Like we're trying to watch the movie. But Remember the Titans. Uh, it's a great movie because it's talking about how can we come together in unity when there's adversity? And so we're going to be looking at the story from Remember the Titans and also from the stories of Paul. And when I'm talking about friction today, I'm talking predominantly about friction between Christians. Obviously, we're going to have issues with people that are not Christians. They don't believe the same thing as us. There's a different set of standards, different beliefs. There's going to be friction there. And we need to remind ourselves when we have problems with people outside of the body of Christ, our war is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. You're not waging war against them. There's a spiritual battle taking place for their soul. So today I'm not looking so much at those battles. We know those will come. But what happens when we believe the same things and yet there's still friction? First of all, I want to set up the story of Remember the Titans it's a story about a high school football team. And this team in the 1970s is trying to come together, T.C. Williams in Virginia. This is the first year that this school will integrate blacks and whites together. So there's coming together of those players. And in a sign of goodwill to the community, the high school has, has hired on Coach Boone, Herman Boone, to coach the team, a black coach played by Denzel Washington. Now, unfortunately, there's a caveat for Coach Boone. He has to win every single game. And if he loses just one game at any point, he will lose his job. They will fire him and hand the program over to a white coach. So these are the stakes. And so right here, we're, I wanted to look at, I basically wanted to watch the whole movie with you, if I'm being completely honest. There's so many parts. There's hilarious parts. But I realized I had to kind of narrow it down and focus on the story of two men on the team, Julius and Gary. Both of them were incredibly talented defensive linemen. One was a black man, one was a white man. And they had to come together because as they were the leaders, the rest of the team would follow them. We're going to show you a, a clip here at the beginning. This is when the team is about to get on the bus. They are headed to summer camp to learn how to work together. And Coach Boone sees the team get on the bus. He says, no, that's not how we're going to integrate. That's not how we're going to get past these offenses. And at the very end of this clip, you'll see the first interaction between Julius and Gary. Let's show that clip. 
All right, listen up, listen up. I want everybody off the bus. Let's go. Follow me, everybody. Let's go right now. All right, everybody off the bus. Listen up. I don't care if you're black, green, blue, white, or orange. I want all of my defensive players on this side, all players going out for offense over here, right now. Let's move. Let's move, let's move, let's move. You and you, offensive bus, sit together. You and you, defensive bus, sit together. Get comfortable, too, because the person that I have you sitting next to is the same one that you'll be rooming with for the duration of this camp. Shut up. I don't want to see your smiling and shuffling here, all your missile show singing on this bus. You too. Got that right. You can shut up too. It's a great clip. Also, just a shameless plug, there's such good music in this, in this movie from Ain't No Mountain High. So I think Spirit in the Sky plays right there, something along those lines. But shortly after this exchange, Right after it, Gary and Julius actually get into a fight over their rooming situation, if you remember. And an all-out fight breaks out with the team. So we're going to look at the conflict of Gary and Julius, but I want to turn our attention now to the Bible. I want to look at two examples in the New Testament where Paul is either in the middle of friction with someone else, or he is trying to reconcile the difference of two other people. We're going to start with the conflict between Paul and and Barnabas in Acts chapter 15. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 15. And this is a great time to remind you, we've got sermon notes available on the Church Center app, the YouVersion Bible app. You can pull those up, follow along with our notes, and take your own notes as well. But in Acts 15, up until this point, Paul and Barnabas, they, they have been working very closely with one another in ministry. Barnabas was actually the one who told the rest of the disciples that they could trust Paul. After Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, right, we remember that story, Barnabas was the one saying, guys, you can trust Paul. He, he's converted. He's a changed man. God has changed him. So Paul and Barnabas have been working together effectively, but then here's what happens. Let's read together Acts 15, starting in verse 36. It says, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take them with, with them, one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So Paul and Barnabas, they're making plans to go back to the cities and the churches where they had once ministered to. They wanted to check in on them, see how they're doing, see how they're growing in their discipleship and their faith in Jesus. And they're trying to figure out the details. And in that moment, they, decide, they disagree on who they're going to take with them on this trip. The more literal translation of what Paul said, it says that he insisted 
this is a bad idea to take Mark with us. He was adamant about it. That, that language that it says there that, that Mark had left them, I believe it means that in the middle of their previous mission trip, when things got difficult, Mark decided to abandon them. Mark decided, this is too much for me, I'm, I'm out of this. And Paul says, we can't afford to have someone like that on our mission trip. It makes sense, right? I don't know if we want that person, can we trust them? But Barnabas, it seems like he had a greater level of grace. He said, no, we got to trust him again. He's, he's young, he's growing in his faith, let's continue. It says there arose a sharp disagreement. I don't know where your mind goes when you think sharp disagreement, but that doesn't sound to me like, okay, agree to disagree. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. It's like, no, you're wrong. This is the right way to do it. And back and forth they went. And I don't know about you, but I always wish, like, could I just hear what happened, right? You want to know what, what really took place in that. And so I read through this passage, and I thought, okay, all this happened. From what I'm reading here, it doesn't seem like this is a moral or ethical failure by anybody, right? It was simply a disagreement of two opinions. It doesn't say here in the Bible that, that God spoke to them and said that, you know, Paul is right and Barnabas is wrong or vice versa. Nothing like that happened. They didn't seek the Lord. It simply says that they went their separate ways. And it left me scratching my head like, how do I apply this in my life? Do I just walk away from a conflict? That doesn't seem right. I think we find the answer to the, to the problem here if we go further into the story. I want you to, to move forward in the story with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is approximately seven years later. We have not heard anything about Barnabas since Acts 15. And here, Paul mentions Barnabas. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. He says, Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Now, let me pause there. I know I, know I threw you right into the middle of the action. Paul is being accused by the Corinthian church. They continue to not trust him. The, the high authorities, they, they think Paul is corrupt. They think he's wrong. And Paul is defending himself. And as he defends himself, he also lumps Barnabas in there with him and says, we are working together for the ministry. Why are you putting these, these restrictions on our ministry? I know it seems like a simple mention, but it shows that Paul and Barnabas, while they disagreed in Acts, there's no mention here of that friction. There's no mention of holding a grudge, holding on to that offense here. There was no bad-mouthing. There was no disrespect. Later, Paul includes Barnabas and himself with the struggles, justifying the preaching and the ministry. And today, as we talk about offense, when we watch Remember the Titans, I want you to remember three things. The first one is remember that a disagreement does not have to mean disrespect. We can disagree with one another and also not disrespect each other. It's unfortunately very backwards in our, in our society right now, right? If you look on social media, our society is at an all-time high of disagreeing. 
and on an all-time low with showing respect and honor to one another. We can disagree with each other and still have respect for one another. Again, we know that Paul and Barnabas, they disagreed sharply. Wasn't the most pleasant communication. But yet they realized even in that disagreement, that didn't have to be the end of their story. That was not the end of what God was doing. They could disagree with each other and still hold each other in the highest honor and respect. And not only did Paul speak highly of Barnabas, but later Paul would speak highly of Mark. The one that Paul said, nah, don't let him on the trip with us. He's not going. He's not packing his bags. He's not going with us. Later, this would be about 10 years later approximately, this is what Paul had to say about Mark. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. When Paul was speaking to Timothy, he said, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. So get Mark, bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. It's amazing because before Paul had not wanted Mark on this trip in Acts, but years later, he says, bring Mark along. Let's see if we can continue to mature him, see if he's continuing to grow. Maybe all that time that Barnabas put into him is starting to pay out. He said, he's very useful to me in ministry. How often when we disagree with someone in a certain area of our life, we write them off in every other area of our life? Say, nope, I disagree there. There's no, there's no redeeming qualities to that person. How many times when we get into a fight with a friend or a family and we blow everything out of proportion, we, we make a mountain out of a molehill. There's a reason that's a saying, because it happens. We take, every, we take one small thing and we blow it up. It is possible to disagree and still show respect for one another. And remember the Titans, Coach Boone, the team is struggling, they're fighting. He decides to take them on a trip. They take a run to the grounds of the Battle of Gettysburg and he pleads with them here, to come together as a team. Let's show that clip. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today this green field right here painted red bubbling with the blood of young boys smoke and hot lead pouring right through their bodies listen to their souls man i killed my brother with malice in my heart hatred destroyed my family. You listen. You take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together 
right now on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. Coach says, I don't care if you don't like each other, but you will respect each other. You will show respect. I think, I think the best way that we can learn to respect each other is realizing the commonalities that we have. When we get in a disagreement, we think only about the thing that we disagree, and we lose sight of all the things that we are agreeing on. There's an exercise you can do when you're struggling with someone. You can take a moment and write down five things that you admire about that person. Five things that you would want to compliment them with. What that does is it helps you to stand back from the situation and think about the full person. Every part of them, not just the one that you disagree with. And we're going to talk about, in a minute, the greatest commonality we could have. But later in New Testament, in Philippians, Paul is speaking of a different problem. There's conflict in the church between two women, and he, he shares how they can get past this. Let's read that together in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says, I entreat you, Odea, and I entreat Suntush to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who they've labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, Paul he doesn't reveal a whole lot about this situation, right? He doesn't say what the source of tension, and I don't know if you're, if you're like me, and sometimes you're like, come on, I, I want, spill the tea, right? You know, give us the dirt on the situation. What really happened? But I think what Paul might be trying to explain to us is it doesn't matter what it is. Why do we care so much when people get into problems and when there's friction, what we should want more than anything is for people to reconcile and be back into unity. We're like, that's no fun. It's the best thing we could possibly want, right, as Christians, to see people unified and loving one another. To show that an offense doesn't have to become public. It can be shared privately and resolved between the parties necessary, between godly wisdom and counsel. Because when we get into a conflict with people, we forget what we have in common. And I want you to, secondly today, remember the greatest commonality. It's that we are on the same team. When we get into problems with one another, we have to remember we're on the same team. You can disagree about a lot of things. But if you come in agreement together that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit together and you believe in the power and the truth of the word of God, is that not the most important thing? Amen. We can disagree on a lot of things. I have to remind myself of this in November when I talk to Michigan fans, right? You know what? They're Christians too. I believe that. I have faith that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus died for that Michigan fan. If we believe in Jesus together, that's way more important than anything. Amen. I'm kidding, but I'm also serious. Because there are people out there that don't know about Jesus, don't have a relationship with God, and a game on a Saturday or Sunday, that's it. That's all they're banking on, literally sometimes. 
They put all their hope into a game. The greatest thing that we can have in common is that we are on the same team. We're on the same side. You might need to remind yourself this in marriage, right? When the kids get difficult, you get frustrated. You snap at each other. Hey, honey, just a reminder, we're on the same team, right? Yeah, okay, I thought so. You might need to remind yourself of this at work with someone who is difficult to work with. You might need to have a heart-to-heart with them. Say, hey, you know what? I don't agree about a lot of things that we do together, but we have to work together, and I hope that we both have the company's best interests at hand when we make decisions. So let's move together in unity, trying to do our best, working hard for this company and to provide for our families. Can we come together in unity? If we can come together in unity in a work situation, how much more can we in a dispute and a disagreement among Christians? And I remember the Titans, Julius and Gary, they are, they're beginning to work through their friction. And they finally are willing to verbalize to one another what their problem is and the struggles they're seeing with their so-called team. Let's show this next clip. All right, man, listen. I'm Gary, you're Julius. Let's get some particulars and just get this over with, all right? Particulars? Yeah. No matter what I tell you, you ain't gonna never know nothing about hey, me. Hey, listen, I ain't running any more of these three days, okay? Well, what I got to say, you really don't want to hear, because honesty ain't too high up on your people priority list, right? Honesty? You want honesty? All right, honestly, I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Not even Doc or Boone. Shiver push on the line every time, man. You blow right past them. Push them, pull them, do something. You can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates hanging out to dry. Me in particular. Why should I give a hoot about you? Huh? Or anybody else out there? You want to talk about a waste? You the captain, right? Right. Captain's supposed to be the leader, right? Right. You got a job? I have a You've job. You've been doing your job? I've been doing my job. Then why don't you tell your white buddies to block for Rev better? Because they have not blocked for him or for Plug Nickel, and you know it. Nobody plays, yourself included. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself, and I'm going to get mine. See, man. That's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. Ouch. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. It was a cold, cold statement. But it needed to be said because Gary was focusing on being the captain of only half the team. And Gary realized if you're going to be the captain of this whole team, you need to be looking out for everyone And Gary challenges Julius. I love what he says to him. He actually realized in the middle of that friction, he said, you're nothing. Nothing but a waste of God-given talent. He recognized, you're a talented player. You can play the game. But you're wasting that away right now. Sometimes we have to, in friction, be willing to speak truth in love to our friends. Say, you have God-given talent. Don't be wasting it. Don't use it this way. There's unity when we remind ourselves that we are all together part of the family of God. We're a family, and we have to work together to win. The most 
victorious thing that we can do, winning, is showing unity as a family of God. Let me give you an example of what that means. Winning means it's not my small group versus other someone, someone else's small group, right? It's not my ministry against someone else's ministry. It's not even my church against someone else's church. That attitude cripples the family of God. Now, of course, I want them to be in a church that is preaching the word of God. And I'm thankful here in Marysville in the cities, there are churches, there are pastors doing that. So when people come to me and they say, oh, you know, I just felt more at home here than some other church or the other way around said, hey, I'm sorry, we're leaving here. We're going to another church. And I know that church and I know that pastor. If that's where God is calling you, if that's where you're plugged in, I'm celebrating with you. If God calls you somewhere else, why would I be trying to keep you here? I can't go against God. I wouldn't want to. You will be miserable. I will be miserable. Winning is unity as the full family of God. This is what Paul had to say about unity. Two chapters before this dispute between the two women, he says this in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul starts this in verse 1 by giving a lengthy list of conditions. And this is a rhetorical list of conditions. He's saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ... We know there's encouragement in Christ, right? It's the greatest assurance that we could possibly have. We know that there's comfort in his love. We know there's the participation of the Holy Spirit. We know there's affection and sympathy. So if we know all those things, then what? He says, then complete my joy by being of the same mind. If you can have comfort in God and and the participation of the Holy Spirit, all these things, then be of the same mind in Christ. And then he says, he gives you examples of what having the same mind could be. It says, then do nothing from selfish ambition. In humility, he says, lay down your pride, pick up humility, and be willing to work together on the same team as the body of Christ. So that we can complete the joy of God the Father when we work together and we have the mind of Christ. Unity is the goal. And then Paul explains how we can be unified. In the movie, after the coach has given this speech, and after Gary and Julius, they're working together, they have that heart-to-heart. There's this turning point at camp where the team realizes their need to do their job and work together as a full team. Let's watch this clip. All right, we'll be out of here all night till we get this thing right. Let's go. On the ball, Rev. Get it right. Hey! 
happenings that ain't blocking. Give me a break. You yeah. want a break? I'll give you a break. Me and Julius. Wait, 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 wait. Just let, let them in. Get to rev once, just one time. I'm gonna hit you so hard by the time you come to. Ooh, boy, you're gonna need a new haircut. You understand me? <clears throat> Let's play, fellas. Run the ball. Let's run it again. so much half of you have no idea what they just said to each other and what that meant scott really wanted me to do like a chant like strong side left side you know here in the audience we're not going to do that right now it was almost the the title of the message strong side left side but consider others more important than yourself it is so easy to get offended and that when things don't go our way Remember, what is the best thing for everyone? What's the best thing for the church? What is the best thing so that we can be unified? Because if people out there come in here and they see unity, they see love towards each other, is, not, is that not the best testimony that we could be to the world? To show them what unity and love should like, look like. And, and I, I want to encourage you, I'm not preaching this message today because I walk in here and I see backbiting and problems and issues, okay? That's not what this is. But because I know that I want to be proactive, and if we grow as a healthy church, the enemy is going to want to come in and sow seeds of discord. They're going to want to come and wreak havoc on the church. So this is, this is a warning message, if I can to make sure we keep the mind of Christ and be unified to one another and what God is doing. I've reminded you that we can disagree but not disrespect one another. I've reminded you that we're on the same team. And the last thing, we need to remember that life is too short to hold on to an offense. Have the mind of Christ Life is too short. It is temporary. And we need to remind ourselves that too much is at stake to hold on to our disagreements and our disputes. If we allow it, an offense will well up in our hearts and we'll go months, years holding on to something that is wasting our precious time focusing our mind and our thoughts on the wrong thing instead of being engaged with what, what God wants to do here in the present. We as Christians that are living for God need to be willing to let go of the hurt. I want to show you one more part of, of that passage in Philippians when it talks about the two women that were in a dispute. Philippians 4, 2, 3 again. Read it again. I says, I, he said, I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Santush to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul points them back to the eternal aspect of our life. That life here is temporary. While we're here, we need to realize that there's an eternity that we're preparing ourselves and preparing others for. Your names are written in the book of life together. You have that commonality, so work together. Drop the dispute. Drop the conflict. And hear me today, when I'm talking about conflict... These areas of conflict that, I'm, that we're looking at in Scripture, these are not areas of, of moral failure, of an ethical right or wrong. Because I know that when there is sin in the Bible, God points it out. And Paul has never been one to shy away from pointing out sin either. If, if someone had been wrong, Paul would have pointed it out to them. I believe in a loving, godly way, but he would have pointed it out. I think these were simple, small things that sometimes they can irritate you, you know? It's not a sin what that person did to me, chewing with their mouth open, but it just it irritated me. There are conflicts that arise. And Paul says, this group that is ministering together, we are all going to heaven. Our names are written in the book of life, so we need to be focused with an eternity in mind for the rest. Life is too short. Learn to let go of the offense that wants to hold on to you. I want to really quickly and with one more clip from this story, and you saw just a small portion of, of the story, the team continues to come together, and they succeed. They're winning every single game in the season, and they get to the championship, and, and before they, they clinch that championship berth, that, or before they go to the game, that they're celebrating the night that they won the game leading up to the championship, and as they're celebrating, there's a car accident, and Gary Bertier hurts himself. He gets injured in a car accident. And it, it moves to the story, and they're all at the hospital. They're all concerned, worried about him. And his mom, when Julius comes in the door, she says, he only wants to see you. He only wants to talk to you. Let's see this connection, this bond that is formed between these two guys and the unity that they've brought together in their team. Let's show the clip. Only Ken's allowed in here. Alice, are you blind? Don't you see the family resemblance? That's my brother. Sorry, man. I should have been there with you. What are you talking about? You would have been in the bed right next to me. You can't be hurt like this. saw what I was afraid of. And I don't know, I was only hating my brother. 
I tell you what, though. Um, when all this is over, and you're going to move out the same neighborhood together, okay, and um, get old, we're going to get fat. There ain't going to be all this black-white between us. with the realization that life is short and that nothing is guaranteed, how foolish can some of these things look in comparison to eternity? Today as we close, I hope you can remember the story of the Titans. At the very end of that movie, it says this. It says, we have our disagreements, of course, but before we reach for hate, we always remember the Titans. I hope that before you reach for hate, would you remember that disagreements don't need to mean disrespect? Would you remember that we're on the same team? And would you remember that life is too short to hold on to something that is so temporary in comparison to eternity with Jesus? Would you stand to your feet as we close? Yesterday I was looking to, looking over these notes and I actually thought of, I came across one more scripture I thought would be the perfect way to end today. It's in Colossians chapter three, verse 12. It says this, since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Friends, in two weeks, we are moving to two services. It's an exciting thing. God is growing his church, but the enemy's not gonna sit by and watch us do it without trying to stop us. There are gonna be times when we disagree with our brother or sister. Something will go wrong, but guess what? An offense will take place, okay? Offenses happen, but you decide whether that offense is for one minute or for a long period of time. That is your choice. And you are only hurting yourself when you hold on to that offense. You think that I'm going to hold this on so they know. They have no idea probably. Not a clue. You are hurting yourself when you hold on to an offense. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray together today? If you've been going through an offense, you've been going through something, whether whether it seems small or it seems big, it always seems big in the moment but you're having a hard time overcoming this stumbling block, this this thing that wants to take you down. There's a person that you're dealing with or whatever. Again, just like the Bible says, we don't need to know the details to pray with one another. 
We don't need to know the story to lift each other up and encourage one another. And so if that's you, you've got something that's been an issue, that's been grating at you, would you slip up your hand and say, Matt, I need you to pray with me in mind because I need to get through this. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, I see those hands. Yep, yep. Anyone else? I see those hands. Yep. Let's pray together, church. God, we come together as the body of Christ. We remind ourselves that we have the greatest commonality. We have the greatest privilege of being the team, the body of Jesus Christ. And I pray for people that they've gone through things that have hurt them, that have brought them down, that have caused them to suffer. I pray right now, through the power of Jesus Christ, would you release those? Would you take that burden off of them right now in the name of Jesus? I pray that we would be able to move forward. I pray that you would guard thought life, that you would guard our ideas and our thoughts that come into our minds, that we would only allow the things that glorify you and lift each other up and anything that does not do those things, that we'd pull those from us. God, I pray that you would help us to remember life is too short. It's too temporary. We want to live with eternity in mind. We know that our, our names are written in the book of life and we want to bring more people in to also receive that eternity. Help us to do that as we move forward in the next two weeks to live without offense and in unity. We thank you for this privilege and this power. And in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.